Good morning. Someone in the church sent me a link this week to a video compilation of so-called worship fails. If you don't know what a worship fail is, well, good on you, but it's basically a moment in a worship service where something goes so badly wrong that you can't just move on. You can't just sweep it under the carpet. You have to deal with it there and then. So a few examples of this. There was one big church where there was this huge cross at the center of the back of the stage. And as the drummer was getting carried away, as drummers should, this cross started to fall over and it crashed through the drum screen and on top of the drummer. The worst part, the, the worst part of it was the band didn't even seem to be bothered. They didn't run to help him or anything. This thing was large. Another example, in fact, there were a few of these guitarists earnestly strumming away with great passion and zeal, playing the right chords, but with the capo in the completely wrong place. So it just sounded awful. Again, provoking like not much more actually than than disgruntled, annoyed stares from uh, some members of the band. But my favourite one was this moment, which seemed to be a really beautiful, peaceful moment. And the person who was leading worship was playing synth, and he had this kind of synth pad sound on, and it was this lovely moment of space, it seemed. And then he prayed this. He said, Father, we just pray that there would be no obstacles today. Nothing would get in the way of us bringing our worship to you. And then he put his hand forward and pressed this button on his synth. And this is what it sounded like. And he, he turned it off. And, and then he just said, Father, again, I just prayed that there would be no obstacles. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're done. <laughs> just, yeah, let's just draw a line and, and, and move on from that moment. Now it's fine that we can kind of laugh at those moments. The point is this. In our worship of God, things don't always go to plan. But I'm not just talking about singing or, or moments like that. I'm speaking about, actually more seriously, our ongoing connection and relationship with God, our life with God from week to week, from month to month, that sense that things are not going to plan. I think for many of us, we're in a season of life like that just now where we just think, this isn't going to plan. My worship with God. I received a WhatsApp from someone in the church this last week and a chunk of that WhatsApp was just expressing thanks for the different worship videos that the, the band have been pulling together over these uh, different weeks. But there was also in that message this expression of this deep sadness about not being able to gather together. And there was expressed this longing to be back singing together and sharing together and, and, and doing life together. And I think many of us are feeling like that and it can lead us to wonder, God, how can this be part of the plan? We're starting a new series today uh, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And I have to say, from the start to the middle to the end of these books, these same questions could be asked. In the years uh, leading up to Ezra chapter 1, God, what is going on here in our relationship with you? Throughout the chapters that we'll look at over the coming weeks, even today, as we will see, God, this all feels a little bit difficult just now. And then even at the end, even after all the anticipation, we still see Nehemiah having to cry out to God for help because things hadn't gone quite as he thought they should have. But in and through all of this, we will see, God willing, over these coming weeks, the faithfulness of God in the unfolding story of his people. The grace 
and the kindness of God towards sinful people like us. And we will also be invited in, invited by the Spirit of God, I believe, into many moments of learning as we ponder what it means as the people of God to return, to seek renewal, and to seek rebuilding as the people of God. So just briefly, I want to set the, the context. I'm conscious that some people may know nothing at all about Ezra, Nehemiah. So they're listed as two books in our Christian Bibles, but it's really only since the 1100s that that's been the, the case. I know, only since the 1100s, right? But actually, these books are one literary unit. And uh, in our Christian Bibles, they're located about a third of the way in. So if you go to Psalms, which is about in the middle, and then you go back via Job and then Esther, then you get to Nehemiah. And obviously, uh, Ezra's right before that. So Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, happens in 538 BC. So just over 500 years before Jesus is born. And it is a huge moment in the history of God's people. And actually... It's, it's, it's coming part, it's part of a devastating moment in the history of God's people. They had been exiled from their land following hundreds of years of sin and rejection of God and civil war and wars with other nations around about them. Jerusalem had eventually been conquered and destroyed by the Babylonian army. Jerusalem, this great city of David, the city of God, was destroyed by the Babylonian army, including in Jerusalem, their precious temple of God, which was to be the absolute focal point of their life together. And it is I think almost impossible to overstate the devastation that this would have caused God's people. They had been chosen by God. They'd been led to this incredible place of blessing. But they forgot God. They forgot God's heart to share that heart of love with the nations around about them. So God, as an act of judgment, removed them from that place. And you can hear the trauma that this causes God's people. For example, in some of the Psalms, Psalm 137, they say, um, by the waters of Babylon, where they were led to, they were taken captive and led to, ex exiled to, by the waters of Babylon, we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, the great city of David, city of God. And in other parts of the Bible as well, for example, there's a whole book, the book of Lamentations, is, is, is describing the horrors of this dark moment in the history of God's people. When we think about our life with God, things don't always go to plan. But God doesn't give up on his people. The story wasn't over yet. Just like for you, just like for us, God never abandons his people. Because during that time of exile, about 50 years after the Babylonians had led God's people out of Jerusalem, they, the Babylonians, were conquered by King Cyrus of Persia. And this takes us to chapter 1, verse 1 of Ezra. Where it says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. So Jeremiah was one of the prophets of God. There's a whole book of the Bible where that's captured where it were twice in, in chapters 25 and 29. 
uh, he, he, he prophesied that this would come to pass. And then it says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing. And then it goes on. This is the proclamation. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. This is incredible. You have this pagan king being used by God to grant this amazing return to the cherished land of God's people. And it's so clear from this passage that it is God who's doing this. In verse 1, it's been prophesied through the prophet Jeremiah. It says in the same verse, the Lord stirred up the heart of King Cyrus so that he would make this proclamation. Even in verse 2, Cyrus himself recognizes that it was God telling him to do this. And then verse 4, also in verse 6, we have a lovely allusion back to a very important moment in the history of God's people. I'll read the first part of verse 4. It says, this is part of this proclamation. Let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and with gold, with goods, and with beasts, beside free will offerings, and so on it goes. I wonder, does that remind you of, of anywhere else in the story of God's people? Well, it's in the story of the Exodus, in the book of Exodus. Three times in the book of Exodus, God's people are told, you will not leave this place to the land of blessing empty-handed. You'll leave with silver, with gold, with other possessions. And here, this time, it's just another sign that this is of God. This is God's doing. Just like God told us then, so God's telling us now. But, but this time, it's even greater because they won't have to figure out those things for themselves. But Cyrus uh, is, is God's instrument, really, in organizing these things for them. And then you have the final sign, that this is God's work in verse 5, where it says, Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. So Cyrus' spirit is stirred up by God and the leaders of God's people, their hearts are stirred up by God so that he brings them home. Brings them home. Hold on, friend. Hold on just now. Whether you're sick of this lockdown, sick of not being able to worship together, whether you're sick and tired of an illness that you're battling, sick of relational strife or financial trouble or any other number of repeated challenges that just seem to be coming at you again and again. These things that might lead you to ask, how can this be part of God's plan? Hold on. God doesn't give up on his people. He will lead you home. He will stir up your spirit so you can come home to him. Indeed, 
this side of the cross of Jesus Christ, we are in an infinitely greater position than these exiles because God has given us of his spirit. doesn't need to just do something external to us, but actually he has given us the spirit of God as a gift. And he's described in Ephesians 1 verse 14 as a guarantee. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. So you may not feel stirred up in your spirit, But if you love Jesus, you are. You are. The Spirit is given to you as a gift. God doesn't give up on his people. He will lead you home. So, don't give up on God. God doesn't give up on his people, so don't give up on God. Um. In chapter 2 of Ezra, we, we basically get a long list and lots of numbers, a long list of names of those who returned and some related numbers to those names. So um, I just figured, hands up, those among us who thinks Harley should preach on Ezra chapter 2 with all those lists of names. Yeah, one, two, yeah. Oh, yeah, everyone. I think that's good. <laughs> awesome. No, we won't. Harley's on chapter 4 next week. It's all good. But if we turn over to Ezra chapter 3 and we hear the first thing that God's people do when they're back in Jerusalem. It says there in, in verse 1, when the seven month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man in Jerusalem. So there's there's togetherness here, there's focus, there's intent. And what are they gathering to do? Verse 2, they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And from there, right through to verse 6, God's people are beginning to form themselves again around the practices of worship God had given them. The first thing they do is they offer burnt sacrifices, burnt offerings to God, to show their need of God, to show their Uh, contrite hearts to show their reverence before God and then they go on and there's all sorts of different offerings and feasts that they participate in part of their worship to God King Cyrus had sent them back to return and to rebuild but before God's people did that they knew they needed renewal before rebuilding comes renewal I think there's a lesson here for us. We need to be careful, friends. Very soon, I really do pray, we will have freedom to gather again. But before rebuilding life in Kintour and Hillview, we better ensure that we have sought renewal in our connection with God. There is rebuilding to be done. Um, And what a brilliant opportunity that is for, for God to do something awesome and amazing among us. But we must be careful not to rush into anything. First, we build an altar and offer our sacrifices to God again and again. The rebuilding will come. It starts with renewal. And it's interesting here in chapter 3, they eventually appoint people to start the work and to oversee the work. And then just when they get one thing done along the way, look what happens. Verse 10 of Ezra 3, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord. So just the foundation, 
Then the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to God for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. Just the foundation was laid and there's trumpets and there's cymbals and they're chanting and repeating psalms back and forth to one another. And then it says there in the second part of verse 11, and all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Just the foundation, just the start, so far to go in the journey. But they knew that God had not given up on them, so they weren't giving up on him. We will sing again. Maybe some of us will even shout with a great shout to God. We will declare God's goodness again. Yes, we will. But... As we come to a close, this chapter closes on a strange note. It says in verses 12 and 13, before it moves on to a different moment, that actually some people wept. Those who had seen the first temple and they saw how different things were now, they wept with a loud voice. And then it says in verse 13, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far away. What a fascinating way to end this account. And there's so much that could be said here, but I'll just close with this. There's room for all. In the noise that we bring to God, there's room for all. These have been tumultuous times. As we get together over the coming weeks and months, as we lay the foundation stone, so to speak, some will be ready to sing and shout for joy. And perhaps some might look around and all they might see is the devastation that remains. And I think the close of this chapter just reminds us there's room for all of that. We can mix that sound up and give it to God as part of our worship. But even if you're in that place of tears in these coming days, and there, there's very good reason for that often, we do have hope even in our tears. Even if you're in that place of devastation, remember whatever we are rebuilding, whatever we come to rebuild in these coming weeks, remember this, it's just the foundation stone. There is so much more to come. I mean, the foundation stone here wasn't the end of the story. The, the temple would be rebuilt, but but true, truly, it actually never was going to match the splendor of the of the first temple that was built. But what they didn't know was that a day was coming and a day has now come when God would reside not in a temple built with human hands, but that God, through Jesus Christ, he himself would come in and dwell in the heart of every single person in the family of God. Dear friend, this is just the beginning. This world, the worship gatherings that are coming, the fellowship with God that we have just now, even the Holy Spirit within us, it's just the foundation stone. 
He, the Holy Spirit, is a deposit. He's a guarantee. Yes, we have God with us, but one day we will see him face to face and that fellowship will be like nothing we have tasted yet. Wait and see what God will do. Wait and see. Things don't always go to plan in our worship of God. Maybe it feels like something is ruined in that regard. But God doesn't give up. Return to him. He will stir you up. He will make the way for you to return to him. And then and then no renewal in him day by day, again and again, even today. And then no, there will come rebuilding. There always is in the Christian life. God is building us together as living stones with Christ Jesus as our cornerstone. What an incredible blessing there is now for us. And what an incredible blessing to come. God doesn't give up on his people. So as we live in light of that, may we not give up on him. Come to him today. Amen.